We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram and threads at Trevor Lane. NBA kind of a bonus podcast for the weekend here and a few things I wanted to go over on today's show so probably going to be more of a mini maybe a half-sized uh podcast here for everybody but some important topics coming off of that Lakers oh it hurts to even say it lost to the San Antonio Spurs gross that happened but we're going to talk about that we'll talk a little bit about what the Lakers were saying after the game I think there were some interesting things that came out afterwards that are worth our attention. Do need to get into the mailbag a little bit as well. Before I dive into all of that, though, quick reminder, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, check out our Lakers Nation YouTube channel membership program. Click that join button. You can check out all the perks that we offer to our channel members. Great way to support the channel. Great way to get even more involved with Lakers Nation. We do offer some really cool things like live shows where you can come and actually join and, and be part of the show, be brought up on stage all of that sort of stuff. So it's a good time. Click that join button and check out the LakersNation.com YouTube channel membership program. All right, let's dive into it. Some of the things coming out of the Lakers lost to the Spurs. I think first and foremost, I put a video up on the YouTube channel yesterday. I think it really was apparent how much the Lakers miss Anthony Davis, how important he is when he's on the floor. It's not just his scoring ability. I know we a lot of times people harp on his scoring or lack thereof. It's a bit of a roller coaster. Sometimes he's a this offensive dynamo. Other times it's more of a dud. Um, and a lot of that depends on what's going on with the team around him as well. There's a lot of factors. It's not just AD. It's coaching staff. It's the other players. It's a lot of things that can determine whether or not he has a big offensive game or a, or a bad offensive game. But defensively and on the glass, he's pretty much always fantastic. And so when he's not there, Wow, is it noticeable when it's Christian Wood, especially when it's Jackson Hayes in there. So I put a video up on the YouTube channel yesterday about potential options on the center market that the Lakers could target. A number of guys that are out there that are interesting, that are at least a step up. The Lakers for years now have had this approach of we're going to fill the backup center position with a veteran minimum guy. And I was even in favor of doing that over the last few seasons because that's kind of been the way it's gone for years now. It's been that you could find pretty solid quality bigs out on the market uh, for the minimum. You would find guys that could do some things. Of course, we instantly think of JaVale McGee. We think of Dwight Howard. But even when we look at, you know, Marcus Gasol was not bad at the center position, of course, for the Lakers. There's guys out there that could give you something at the five, despite not breaking the bank. 
I don't know that that's the case. And so I took a look at, well, one guy that's on a veteran minimum. That was Andre Drummond. But a number of other guys that are kind of around that mid-level exception range. And then a few who were a bit above that maybe the Lakers could target if they want to just lock in on, hey, this is going to be our guy. This is going to be our backup five. Sure would be nice to have a guy like like Daniel Tice, though. Pacers decided to just let him walk to the Clippers for free. Didn't even ask for a trade or anything like that. Always frustrating when you see stuff like that happen. But I do think it's an area of concern and something that may need to be addressed before the trade deadline just to have another big body that the Lakers can turn to in the paint. I'm more out, I think, on Jackson Hayes than I am on Christian Wood. I still believe Christian Wood's three-point shot will come around at some point. Hopefully sooner rather than later it's going to. But man, Jackson Hayes just can't get himself out of foul trouble. All the athleticism in the world, but can't seem to put it together well enough to fill in for Anthony Davis. Can Can give you some things out there on the floor. I like his agility, his mobility. Those kinds of things can be important. I thought those shined against the Phoenix Suns in uh, what a week, week and a half ago, something like that. But overall, I, I think the Lakers could use another big body in the middle. So go check out that video. I did a, a much more in-depth dive into what the Lakers could be doing on the trade market, particularly at that center position. Again, trade deadline's coming up February 8th, and we'll have tons to break down between now and then. I do think this Lakers roster has several holes to try to fill. And so it's going to be interesting to see what they attempt to do if they're successful and then which holes they're able to fill and which they're not. But all right, let's get into some of the comments coming out of the Lakers loss to the Spurs. This was this was Max Christie. This was Max Max Christie talking about the difficult month of November schedule wise in terms of the or December schedule wise in terms of the number of games played and how much they've been on the road. This is what he said. Uh, He said, I think we've been on the road for a long time. We were in Vegas for four days, went back home for one day, then flew right back out. We've been in Texas for another four days, it feels like. So we've got a little bit of a tough stretch ahead of us. We go back home for three days, then we're on the road again. And then you go back to back in Chicago and Minnesota, then OKC, then Boston for Christmas. We've got a tough stretch to end the month. So we just got to push through, dig our heels into the ground, and come together as a team and win as many games as we can. Well, on one hand, when Max Christie is saying that, it makes it all the more damning that you went into San Antonio and you went one and one in San Antonio. That needs to be two and oh. Those are two gimme games. You need to say thank you, take those games, show up, do what you need to do to win them, and then move on so that you have a bit of a buffer for when you are playing Chicago and Minnesota back to back. Minnesota's second night of a back to back. I mean, Minnesota's the one seed in the West right now can we say scheduled loss, right? And then then you have OKC right before your Christmas Day game against Boston. What tends to happen to that scenario? The players are looking ahead to the Christmas Day game, and so you come out flat in the game before. That's what we tend to see happen. Who knows what will happen this year, but that's the way it tends to go. But Max is also correct. You know, when you look at, at the way this team has traveled in the month of December, especially when you add in playing in the final in Las Vegas, going to Las Vegas for the semifinal of the in-season tournament, which of course was a big win for the Lakers. But but still, this is a lot that they've been away from home. They've been traveling. They've been kind of back and forth. It looked, again, that second game against San Antonio, they looked like they were just kind of ready to finally go home. Like, they were very content with losing that game. The Spurs, meanwhile, went, oh my gosh, we're, we're on ESPN tonight? 
and we're playing the Lakers. We're going to have more people watching us than probably any other point in our season. And maybe we have a shot at breaking our losing streak. Heck yeah, we want people to see us win. They were excited and give them credit. They came out and they fought and they did everything they could to get the win and it worked. The Lakers came out and went, nah, you guys take this one. It wasn't pretty. And again, that was reflected somewhat in the injury report. Anthony Davis not playing. Cam Reddish not playing. D'Angelo Russell not playing, right? Um, they had a number of guys who were out. So what happened? What does the rest of the month look like? Well, again, there are more home games, but they do go right back out on the road. It's been a lot of road games in December. And there's even a lot of games. We're just over a week away from Christmas, and they still have a number of games to play before we get to the big Christmas Day matchup against the Celtics. It is a jam-packed schedule. You added a game to a jam-packed schedule by playing in the final of the in-season tournament. You still had a number of days off in this in this month so far, but a lot of travel, a lot of you know bouncing around in multiple cities, come back home for a day, and then you're right back out on the road again. That's not easy, and it feels like that's been wearing on this team. I'm hoping we see a bounce back against the Knicks in terms of energy, but, and I know people will say excuses, right? Which is a term that I've said before has now in the social media sphere, that word has been stretched to an inch of its life. Um, people want to just throw the word excuses at anything that isn't when they're upset about something that isn't ranting and raving about how awful somebody is or something is. They just want to throw out the word excuses to be dismissive of anything that, that again, isn't reflecting their anger in that situation. Um, so that is a term that, you know, people will, I'm sure, throw out when they see comments like this from Max Christie, but at the same time, he's not wrong. Just from a human perspective, that's not, that's not an easy situation. Now, rather than just be dismissive and say excuses, I prefer to go the route of adapt and overcome, right? Max Christie is correct. These are real. These are legitimate challenges. How do you adapt to them and how do you overcome? And it may not, and it may mean that you're not winning all the games you should win. Obviously, you should still go 2-0 against the Spurs, but maybe you drop a game here, here and there. But how do you adapt to the situation and find a way to still get the job done in, let's say, the, the sample size of the month of December? And that's what the Lakers have to figure out. If, if their energy is waning right now, how can they pick it up through the month? As he mentions, things do get a little bit lighter in January. I think this is important, actually, for the Lakers to experience this kind of difficult stretch here in the schedule now in December because there's another one coming in March, and this is going to be the far more important one because this is when teams are really going to be jockeying for playoff positioning. March and into April, the Lakers have a super difficult stretch to close out the season. It's one tough team after another, after another, after another. And so this stretch right here in December, hopefully, will be a little bit of advanced warning, a little bit of practice for what things are going to look like later on in the season in those crucial final weeks when, again, everybody is jockeying for playoff position. But Max's comments weren't the only thing that were eyebrow-raising. Um, Rui Hachimura talked about his mask. And wa watching Rui play, it feels like the mask is bothering him. There was one moment against the Spurs where Rui, I think he finally scored. He got, I think it was an and one. And right after he just instantly ripped his mask off. And it looked like it looks like it's just so frustrating for him to be wearing it. Well, here's what Rui said. He said, it's annoying, but I have no choice. I have to wear the mask. I think it's still broken. He's talking about his nose. He said, so I've got to wear it because even today I got hit too. So I think if I didn't have it, it would be broken again. 
So I just got to keep wearing it and get used to it. I think they said at least six weeks. I think so. I think I have like four more weeks or something. Just got to get used to it. I think Rui hasn't been the same player with the mask. And let's not forget, too, he also dealt with a concussion this season. But he's been a little bit off, particularly it's noticeable in his shooting. He's shooting just 25% from three since returning from the injury. Um, I feel like he's been less aggressive on the boards, even though his counting stats haven't dropped by a ton. We're talking less than one rebound per game, which, by the way, his rebounding numbers are lower than I would like. He's averaging 26 minutes per game right now since returning from injury, and he's only getting like three rebounds and change. That's not enough for a dude who's 6'8 with a 7'2 wingspan and, and can play much bigger. I think the Lakers need Rui to be more of a contributor on the glass. Perhaps the mask, though, has got him worried, you know, catching an elbow, things like that. That's going to be much more common when you're in the paint, when you're fighting for rebounds, when you're boxing out, doing all of this physical stuff. But I think it's clear that his shot has been affected by it to a degree. Again, the three-point shot has not been falling for him. So, And he's saying he's got four more weeks. You know, Rui is one of the guys that the Lakers paid over the summer. They paid him to be somebody who can be a real contributor to this team. And I'm not saying he is totally ineffective. There's moments where Rui can look good. But it's also been a while since we've seen like a really good Rui Hachimura performance. I know people have been arguing for a while that the Lakers need to lean more on him. But I do wonder if he's got to get a little further along in the healing process here before we'll see him comfortable playing like his old self. I do think it's gotten a bit better since he first put the mask on but still a ways to go before we see the old Rui out there. The guy who we could see, you know, getting dunks and occasionally coming in for weak side blocks and things like that. We haven't seen a lot of the kind of rough and tumble physical play. So four more weeks with the mask on, that may mean four more weeks of a somewhat diminished version of Rui Hachimura out there. I do hope he adjusts and the shot will start coming around. I mean, we think way back to like Rip Hamilton back in the day for the Pistons. Uh, wore a mask, eventually got so used to wearing a mask that he just kept wearing it, um, that it felt weird to not wear it at some point. I'm not saying Rui should get to that point, but over time, players do adjust to wearing a mask the way Rui is. So hopefully that will come. And then, and then four weeks from now, whatever, three and a half, hopefully he's able to ditch that thing. Um, but there were these comments from LeBron that I thought were troubling. Troubling. Not the first one. The first one's fine. The first comment that if you're watching on the YouTube channel, it says on the screen, which by the way, if you're watching on the YouTube channel right now and you are not subscribed to the channel, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button. Um, great way to stay informed, stay up to date, everything going on in the world of the Lakers. Uh, LeBron said, we've just got to get healthy. When we're healthy, we're one of the better teams in the league. When we're not, we've had some ups and downs. I've said it over and over. When we're healthy and we have our group, we can compete versus anybody. I think that's... That's accurate, and we saw it in the play-in tournament. LeBron was excellent. The team was excellent, and they became the first-ever in-season tournament champion. This team can beat anybody on any, any given night if they've got their guys. If they've got all their guys. Missing Anthony Davis is a problem. Missing LeBron is a problem. Missing a number of starters, it's a problem. But LeBron's right. This team has real potential. However, this next comment, this is what should raise eyebrows. This is what maybe should even perk the ears up of the front office. LeBron, our team is not built to have three starters out. 
But you give credit where credit is due. San Antonio played great tonight. They shot the ball extremely well. They attacked us, and we were just limited with bodies. Wait, what? Our team is not built to have three starters out. No. Wrong. I mean, look, the way this Lakers roster is built, it's built on depth. The roster was not built to have three starters out when you were on the three-star model. When it was LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. And I'm sorry to bring that back up. I know that's an era that we want to forget badly. But that team was not built to have three starters out. And you could argue, I suppose, that no team in the league is truly built to have three starters out. That's a lot. Even a team with depth like the Lakers are supposed to have right now, that's going to hurt them, especially when one of those starters is Anthony Davis. There's there's no team in the NBA, even like, they, they, let's face it, I hate even saying their names, but the Celtics, they've been great this season. If you were to take Jason Tatum off their team plus two other starters, they're going to feel that. They're going to feel that, right? Any team is going to feel that. But this Lakers team, you look at the wing depth that they've got. Now you can say Jared Vanderbilt has not been himself, still recovering from that injury, getting his legs under him, getting back up to speed. Rui Hachimura is dealing with the mask issue, not himself. There's some reasons why some of these guys maybe are underperforming, and so the depth isn't quite as great as it would look on paper. But this team was built with LeBron, with AD, and with a lot of other guys that are expected to be able to fill in when need be. And you could say, well, but are they really? They're paid to be. They're paid to be that. Rui Hachimura is making, what, 15, 16 million this year. D'Angelo Russell, 17. I know D'Lo was out, but D'Lo's at like 17 million. Austin got his mid-level exception deal. You've got guys now. Gabe Vincent, who's hurt, who's out, right? But you've got players, Jared Vanderbilt, another one, who you've paid to be solid contributors who are supposed to be able to give LeBron and Anthony Davis the kind of support that they need, the kind of depth that they need, a 2019-2020 style roster build where you've got players who can step up and fill a role. Avery Bradley's out. Avery Bradley's not going to Orlando. Okay, KCP's stepping in. That's the kind of depth that this team was supposed to have. Now, I've also said that while this team on paper is deep, Every team has a breaking point and maybe three start. Maybe the Lakers could handle two starters being out. And a third is just, that's where everything falls to pieces. It breaks. It gets too far, right? Um, you put one too many rubber bands over the, over the watermelon and it basically it eventually explodes. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that happen. If you haven't, it's actually kind of cool to see happen, but, but that may be the case here. But LeBron saying our team is not built to have three starters out. It suggests that LeBron sees this team as somewhat top-heavy. That's not that wasn't the point of this roster build. In fact, this was a a correction against a top-heavy roster build and a team that was supposed to be put together based around depth, based on having the ability to have players step in. And we talked about how Jackson Hayes and Christian Wood probably not it to step in. For Anthony Davis, and maybe they have to go find somebody else on the center market. But the idea was, hey, if LeBron's got a miss, all right, Rui's going to step in and give you some points. Vando's going to step in. He's going to be able to do some things for you. Torian Prince 
is going to step in and knock in some threes. You've got all this wing depth now. Cam Reddish has been doing some things, of course, for the team this year. You've got other players who can step in and step up. And LeBron saying, that's not our team. You know, it was it's a short comment. But LeBron also is very calculating in what he says. Doesn't say things just to say them. So this is something maybe to keep in mind. I'm not going to sound any alarms right now. It's one comment. And it's not exactly clear what he means for sure. But it's enough that it made me sit up and go, hmm, that's interesting. Team's not built to have three starters out. Does LeBron not believe in the depth of this team? And if that's the case, then what does that mean for the Lakers at the trade deadline? Because you know Rob Palenka is going to ask LeBron. He's going to ask AD. He's talked about it in the past. He consults with these guys. He's going to say, what do, what do we need? What do we need to do here? And if LeBron's looking at this team and saying, eh, we don't really have the depth that we think we do, well, then maybe that leads to some activity before February 8th. We'll see, though. But interesting to hear LeBron talk about the Lakers as though they don't have great depth when that's exactly what not only is the roster set up to have great depth, but their salary structures suggest they should have depth because they have so many players that are making that mid-level exception and above money. All right. I do need to get into the mailbag, but before I get there, let me give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is Doer. Uh, look, one of the things that I am I am a, a stickler on when it comes to clothing, it's that they have to be comfortable. In fact, I will even sacrifice looks in order to be comfortable, much, much to the chagrin of my wife. But if you want to look polished and still be comfortable, which is fantastic, for me, that's right up my alley. Uh, Doer jeans are the way to go. They've become part of my daily wardrobe rotation. Literally, I wore my Doer jeans uh, today. Took my daughter to her dance group's uh, Christmas party. And so I got festive. I wore a T-shirt, my my diehard Christmas T-shirt, of course. yippee ki um, Wore a nice shirt over the top of it and everything. And and then I wore my jeans, and and it looked looked good. I looked festive. I looked ready for the season. I was presentable for this party. It was a good look. I can say that I got I got the wife's approval on that one. And despite the fact that I looked pretty pretty darn good, I was still extremely extremely comfortable. You're going to want your own pair of Doer jeans. You're going to love them. They're flexible. They're durable. You don't sacrifice comfort or style. They're temperature-regulating fabrics for all day and all weather. Comfort and doer clothes are sustainably crafted to last a long time. So they're going to be a staple in my closet for years to come. I love my doer jeans. You will, too. They make a great holiday gift uh, for you and those on your list. Check out Doer's flagship stores in L.A. or Denver or shop online at shopdoer.com slash LakersNation. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use our special URL, shopduer.com slash Lakers Nation. Take advantage of this. Doer never goes on sale. Don't wait. Get 15% off. Go to shopdoer.com slash Lakers Nation. All right. Let's get into the mailbag here. Some comments coming in after the Lakers lost to the Spurs. Obviously, they're not going to be super happy 
Ryan said, unacceptable loss. If you don't respect your opponent, you don't respect the game. You don't deserve to win. Lakers went into this game thinking they didn't need key players and would just win anyway. I do wonder how much of that was part of their thinking. Could they sneak a, a rest day in for Anthony Davis against a team that they didn't think they would need him to beat? Turns out they really did need him. But, I mean, Brian, you're not wrong. If the Lakers approach this, and based on the attitude of the players on the floor for the first quarter and a half, to me, it looked like they thought they could just kind of coast and then turn it on. And the next thing you know, the Spurs were extra fired up and thinking this is our chance to win. I say it all the time. Don't give a bad team hope. It's exactly what the Lakers did. Exactly what they did. Nathan said, I wish we made more timely timeouts. Darwin needs to realize that his current mindset with timeouts does not work and is hurting the team. Yeah, I've been one of the biggest critics about Darvin Ham's uh, use of timeouts or lack thereof. You see other coaches around the NBA who use their timeouts very aggressively in order to stop momentum for an opponent. And the Lakers just tend to not do that. The Lakers, where, where another team will, that'd be a 5-0 run. Another team will call timeout, stop it, regroup, come up with a good set on the offensive end, try to get a score, and then off you go. Uh, Darvin will let that 5-0 run stretch to a 7-0 run, a 10-0 run before calling timeout. A lot of times he ends games with timeouts still in his pocket saying that, well, he wants to save them so that he can use them to rest LeBron and Anthony Davis in the fourth quarter if need be. It's typically LeBron calling the timeouts in the fourth quarter on the floor, he calls them. Now, maybe that's part of their agreement. I don't know. I don't want to be overly critical of Darvin because of that, but I agree. I'd like to see him use the timeouts a bit more often. I'd like to see him try to co control the momentum, the vibe of the game a bit more with his timeout usage. It's been frustrating for me too. David, how do you feel about trading for Donovan Mitchell? We give up Rui, D'Lo, and Picks. I mean, I don't, like, you got to go look at what the Cavs gave up in order to get Donovan Mitchell. I mean, heck, look at how good Lowry Markkinen has been for the Jazz. Um, so I, I don't know that the Lakers have enough to trade for Donovan Mitchell. I don't know if they've truly got enough to go get him. Even if you put together your best contracts, Rui, D'Lo, they probably want Austin. They probably want picks on top of that. Is there another team that beats that offer? Like, what is if Donovan Mitchell hits the market again, what's what are the Knicks who the Lakers play tomorrow? What are they offering after missing out on getting him the, the first time around? And I'm not even saying Donovan Mitchell is going to be on the trade market. I don't have a sense that that's what the Cavs are going to look to do. But I just think if the Cavs were to put him on the market, another team would probably beat the Lakers offer. You would need Donovan Mitchell to be very specific. I only want to go to the Lakers. I will not go anywhere else. I will not re-sign anywhere else, which his contract situation will become a bit more of an issue next season, and him to try to force his way to LA. I think that's what would have to happen in order for the Lakers offer to make sense. Otherwise, my best guess is that somebody else would come along and beat what the Lakers could offer. But look, if there's a way to make it happen and you could get Donovan Mitchell to LA, it's absolutely something you have to explore Something you got to consider. Is he the guy you want to put next to Anthony Davis long-term? Maybe he is. And you say, cool, we're good. LeBron, Donovan Mitchell, AD for the next what couple of seasons or whatever. Then after that, it's Donovan Mitchell and AD. When LeBron rides off into the sunset, off we go. Javier said, hey, Trevor, greetings from Panama, Central America. Welcome in from Panama. Always cool to hear from our international viewers and listeners. We really need to do something about our three-point shooting. Otherwise, we'll suffer a lot. You know, I thought the Lakers kind of did 
do some things about their three-point shooting over the offseason. And now you look at the guys who aren't Lakers anymore, like Malik Beasley shooting like 44, 45%, something like that from three at this point for the Bucs. Um, he could only shoot that well in garbage time of blowout games for the Lakers for whatever reason. Um, Lonnie Walker's had a great season shooting the ball as well. And it just fuel adds more fuel to the fire that there's some sort of Lakers curse. You know, Christian Wood, 37% three-point shooter for his career, 28% right now for the Lakers. Austin Reeves has not shot the ball as well from deep. LeBron shot the ball really well from three, but these other guys not shooting quite as well as expected have pulled the Lakers overall team three-point percentage down. So I agree that the Lakers could use three-point shooters, but are they going to come to LA, be blinded by the bright lights anyway, and not shoot that well? Are we going to see that 5% drop in their three-point percentage, sometimes even 10%? I mean, we think about Reggie Bullock. We think about Mike Pascala. All the shooters who have come to L.A. and struggled to shoot. Now, there have been guys who have shot better than expected. There have been guys who have improved as well. But, man, it sure feels like the three-point shooters just, they see a drop when they come to the Lakers. Now, I would need to dig into this and really crunch the numbers and see, like, the guys that have a career high one year, the next year, there's usually going to be a drop off. Like Danny Green was like a 44% three point shooter and then became a Laker and was like 37, 38%. And that was a big drop. And people were saying, oh, Lakers curse and all that. But is that just a normal thing that shooting that well for a number of years in a row just simply isn't sustainable? Almost like a, a quarterback's touchdown percentage um, in the NFL when you get a guy who has like an eight or 9% touchdown rate which is insane. Typically, the next year it regresses and it goes back to that, like, what, six to seven or so percent that, that is, is more typical. Um, is that the case with three-point shooting, where it's just not sustainable over the long haul to be quite that good, and the Lakers are getting guys that just had a hot year, then they come back down to earth with the Lakers, and so we're seeing a drop-off? Or is there more to it? Like, do guys really shoot worse from three simply because they're a Laker? We would have to do a bit more of a deep dive on it, but... My, that's my long-winded way of saying, yes, I think the Lakers do need three-point shooting. The concern is they would go trade for three-point shooting and that three-point shooting would wilt just like so many other three-point shooters have. Uh, people forget who Vando is. The three will come. He's the defensive player of the year when healthy. Yeah, I'm not... I've got people that were starting to be frustrated with Jared Vanderbilt. First of all, he's not playing that many minutes, but uh, he's got to get his legs under him. You can see he's not the timing that, you know, all of that kind of stuff will take some, will, will take some patience for him to get back to it. As far as the three point shooting, I hope so. It's not like he's taking a lot of shots. He's not scoring much, but he's not playing a lot either. I think we've seen flashes where he looks like Vando, where he's rebounding the ball, where he's grabbing and going and, and even leading the break and things of that nature. But give it another, and this sounds, this is, sounds like a lifetime in an NBA season, but give it another month and let's see where Vando's at at that point. Eric said we can try D'Lo, Gabe, Hayes, and a first for Rozier and Nick Richards. Well, that would give you an interesting guard in Terry Rozier, who I think is probably out. He's probably playing a little above his head right now. He's been playing great for the Hornets. But Nick Richards, you get a seven-footer. Rozier is indeed killing it this season. Um, I am concerned that Lakers fans are devaluing Gabe Vincent simply because He's been out of sight, out of mind, and because what we saw out of him was bad, while forgetting that what we saw out of him was a tiny sample size of four games. 
I'm not going to just write him off and say, well, that's just who he is. Cause I just, I don't think that's very likely. I don't think it's likely that he's a 7% shooter from three. And I've talked about that a lot, but that said, if you believe that Terry Rozier is the guy that he's been playing as right now, that's simply what he is and what he's going to be. And you're a believer in Nick Richards. Sure. You can go for it. Otherwise, I don't know how much better this makes the Lakers. Like if Terry Rozier is playing at his, what the level you would expect him to, and D'Lo is playing at the level you would expect him to. And again, keep in mind, D'Lo's had a rough slump of the last five games or so and missed a game. So fans are kind of down on his value. If we went back to the D'Lo of two weeks ago, that it was almost unanimous. D'Angelo Russell was, was considered to be the third best Laker. If that's the guy we're talking about, how much of an improvement is this to go from D'Lo to Rogier? Now, Gabe Hayes in a first for Nick Richards? I mean, there's you can talk about the positional need for the Lakers and why Nick Richards would fit in that way. But this is a trade that, if I'm the Lakers, I'd want more proof that Terry Rogier simply is this guy now. And so that means doing this a little closer to the deadline, if you're going to do it. <laughs> Trey said the word you're looking for is weak body bums. You know, I've got a lot of people who were upset with the Lakers for resting guys. Well, they were holding guys out due to injury, but Darvin sounded pretty optimistic that all those guys are going to be able to play. We're talking about Cam. We're talking about Anthony Davis, DeAndre Russell, that all these guys are going to be able to play against the Knicks. And that just really adds fuel to the fire that, well, these guys probably could have played if they needed to, but the Lakers were resting them, thinking that they could beat the Spurs anyway. Obviously, they couldn't. So... I get it. I, I don't. It's been a frustrating season on the injury front. Frankly, when you look at the Lakers record and you see that they're a decent amount above 500, you, on one hand, you kind of feel good because they've dealt with so many injuries and yet here they are still finding ways to win games. This team has been so injured that I think it's been tough for them to really get a sense of what they are and what they aren't, what they do need at the trade deadline and what they don't and how to prioritize those things. Because it's not just, hey, we need these four things at the trade deadline. You also have to prioritize them. You have to rank those things. What do we need the most? What do we need the least? What are we willing to spend the most on? These things matter too. And I don't think the Lakers have been able to get a good sense of that because they've had so many players out due to injury. So as players get back and they're healthy, they'll get a better sense. But again, we had what? A few games where the Lakers had 13 of their 14 players available. And now you take on the Spurs and they had eight. They had eight players in their rotation, plus Colin Castleton, who, by the way, is tearing it up in the G League, if you've seen what he's been doing there. But um, but that's it. That's what the Lakers had against the Spurs. So these injuries, the hope, and LeBron talked about that. I went over it earlier in the show. The hope is that the Lakers can get past these injuries and get to a period of sustained health. And hopefully, look, I, to close things out with a positive, now that you've dropped this game to the Spurs, you want to see something from that. You bought Anthony Davis four days off, four days in a row off by resting him against the Spurs, by not playing him against the Spurs. Due to injury, of course, but he's been dealing with a groin issue. He's been dealing, he had the ankle that he turned. The reports are that it was the ankle that was causing him to miss this game. But if missing this game wards off a more long-term injury for Anthony Davis, then it's worth it. You will sacrifice one game in order to have a healthy Anthony Davis. There's no question. That's an easy decision. 
Easy. And so the hope is that now the reward will appear for sacrificing this game against the Spurs. That's the hope. Because I do think this team needs to be healthy, as LeBron talked about. It's frustrating for fans to see so many players in and out of the lineup constantly. And that's where you get comments like this. People saying, oh, they're weak. I don't know if I go that far, but I'll tell you what. The Lakers, not only do they need to be healthy in order to win games, they also need to be healthy so the front office has a sense of what they truly are and what they really need at the trade deadline. If anything, is it a major move? Is it a minor move? And is and what is that move to get? What are they after? I think a center is certainly a need, but there's other things too. All right, everybody. I hope you are enjoying your Sunday. Thank you for tuning in to this somewhat mini show. I always wind up going a little bit long when I start talking Lakers, longer than I expected to anyway, but appreciate you joining the show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and then over on Apple Podcasts, great way to help us out too on the audio side, is give us a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Lakers take on the Knicks tomorrow. Fingers crossed. Hopefully they'll get back to their winning ways then. Until until next time, everybody. See you and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.